IBEC, the voice of Irish business. Welcome to IBEC Voices, a podcast series about the people and priorities behind Irish business and the global climate that shapes it. In our second episode of our mini-series with a focus on COP26, we once again hear from Dr. Neil Walker, Head of Infrastructure, Energy and Environment at IBEC. This time, Neil summarises key messages from the organisers of the event at the opening ceremony, as well as a selection of short speeches by heads of state in attendance. Enjoy the episode and stay tuned for more from COP26. This is Neil Walker again. The UN Climate Conference kicked off this afternoon, Monday the 1st of November, to the sound of a traditional bagpipe air, followed by a pictorial tour of space by Professor Brian Cox and an inspirational poem by Irsa Daly Ward. Both of those, like myself, originally hail from Greater Manchester, though sadly that's where the similarity ends. Irsa's poem flagged the theme of the opening ceremony. This is Earth calling the cop. We need you to do your best, and we need it right now. UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson stood up shortly after and was his typically idiosyncratic and bombastic self, starting with a slightly strained climate action analogy of secret agent James Bond seeking to defuse a ticking atom bomb. He did, after a while, get down to a more serious message, though, about what climate science is saying about the impact of coal, cars and cows. He highlighted that a mere 2 degrees C rise could put food supplies under threat. 3 degrees C could result in much increased heat waves and droughts. And 4 degrees C could result in many of the largest cities in the world being destroyed through flooding. UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres also stressed how the world's addition to fossil fuels is pushing humanity to the brink. He said that we face a stark choice. Either we stop climate change or it stops us. And even if recent climate pledges by countries were credible, and not all of them are, we could still be headed for catastrophe. Much greater ambition is needed at this conference. And the private sector has a key role to play in bringing trillions of dollars of capital investment to bear, a theme echoed by later speakers including Prince Charles and Italian Premier Mario Draghi. It brought to mind a comment recently by Danny McCoy that a significant proportion of all the dollars currently in circulation throughout history have been created in the last few years through quantitative easing. The private sector has much greater capability than governments to bring finance to bear for what's needed, but we need to focus it. In the high-level segment for heads of state and government that followed the opening ceremony, there was a stark contrast between the themes touched on by developed and developing countries. President Sanchez, for example, pointed to Spain's recent success in reducing coal burning by 90% over a period of a few years and also to its 30 billion euro investment in a green transition. President Biden, while giving a nod to climate justice, similarly emphasised what he termed as an incredible economic opportunity for the creation of good jobs in the USA while transitioning away from dirty fuels. 
the key role of the private sector in unlocking investment will clearly be a frequently recurring theme at this conference. Joe Biden also mentioned up signing up to a global pledge to reduce methane emissions by at least 30% over the coming decade. It will be interesting to see whether the long-term strategy he announced today, with a view to achieving net zero emissions by 2050 in the United States, includes any concrete measures on restrictions to gas fracking, which is a major source of fugitive methane. It's worth noting that a reduction of 30% would correspond roughly to the expected sectoral carbon budget for Ireland's agricultural sector, although we'll have to wait for later in the week to know exactly what the figure is. President Macron's speech, to be fair, placed somewhat more emphasis on the moral argument, on keeping alive the flame of hope that was lit six years ago in Paris. He emphasised the principle of international solidarity and pointed out that the EU, unlike some other developed regions, has more than met its agreed share of the 100 billion commitment to developing countries. But he did express concern about transparency. Where is that money being spent? How is it being spent? Can we verify it? And he also touched on international trade agreements that could potentially undermine climate action. To me, that brought into mind recent comments from Mary Lou MacDonald uh, about the Irish farming sector and the potential impact of the Mercosur trade deal and importation of Brazilian beef. But again, we'll have to wait for another day to address that issue. The EU delegation was a quick double act between Council President Charles Michel and Commission President Ursula von der Leyen. They each spoke for one minute. But in that minute, they managed to come across, to me at least, as a little bit smug, highlighting the relatively high ambition of the European Green Deal, not just for 2050, but also for 2030. The prospect of Europe becoming the first ever climate-neutral continent, and Europe's relative generosity in providing funding to developing countries over and above its commitment for the share of the 100 billion, and much of it being on badly needed adaptation measures. By contrast, a succession of heads of state, including those of Indonesia, the Seychelles, Gabon, Honduras, Kenya, and Egypt, and others, highlighted the continuing shortfall of that 100 billion funding promise from Paris in 2015. And in particular, the very low proportion that has been spent on climate adaptation. Speaker after speaker talked about the injustice that historically large emitters have created a problem that is impacting worst on these vulnerable regions. Interestingly, the Congolese delegate spoke not only about the Congo Basin having overtaken the Amazon rainforest as a net sink, Uh, which partly reflects the policies of uh, President Bolsonaro. But it also highlighted the key role of peat bogs in the Congo Basin in sequestering huge amounts of carbon dioxide, but bemoaning the lack of financial reward for performing this environmental service. But it seems that not every developing country is looking for Western money. A dissenting voice 
President Arce of Bolivia, Bolivia being one of the poorest countries in all of South America, strongly argued that the promotion of so-called green capitalism represents an unacceptable form of recolonization by the decadent West. Uh, somewhat reminiscent, perhaps, of Ireland in the pre whitaker era. There are dozens more speeches that I could tell you about, but I think that's more than enough for one podcast. I hope you get the gist, the key messages being that time is running out for governments to act, ambition needs to increase, private finance needs to be mobilised on an unprecedented multi-trillion dollar scale, and that this requires transparent rules for international project credits so that we don't double count and we don't misallocate the funding. Tomorrow I'll briefly comment on two of the elephants that were not in the room today, as represented by Presidents Putin and Xi Jinping. IBEC, the voice of Irish business.